Okay. All right. So let me know when uh, so, you want to just kick it off and fucking get into how, it. How are we kicking this off? Do, uh, do we have a thing or are we just going to fucking... Well, I know what the intro should be off. now. It's going to be this whole audio over music and that's going to be our fucking introduction. <laughs> Shorter wheelbillies called an eco boost If for no reason, just soft enough, just soft enough of ugh, fuck. What about the three? The- To episode three of Blinker Fluid, I'm Nick. That's Vince. Howdy. <laughs> Howdy indeed, sir. Howdy indeed. And we are back at it again, causing trouble. And how are you doing tonight, Vince? How how are you feeling? I am. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I can complain. Not bad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing good. That's important. It's important to be doing well. Oh, thank you. You know, and and we're a little better today because this this week on cars I'll never be able to afford Bentley has dropped a v8 flying spur in a four-door spec and i gotta say i'm a fan i mean correct me if i'm wrong i think the flying spur is always a four-door i don't think they make a coupe version of it it's an amazing looking car you're correct on that yeah you are correct it's eye candy don't get me wrong they didn't skimp on the uh on the performance or anything there Oh, no. But Bentley's been doing good things in that department since they, uh, I don't know what year it was when they kind of redeveloped themselves. When they first put out the uh, the new the Continental, when they first refaced that, they've been doing great things ever since. It's a 4-liter turbocharged V8, 542 horsepower. It'll run you 0 to 100 in 4.1 seconds and you know zero to a tree and much much less than that yeah one of the cool things about it though that i read that you never i mean i don't think anybody who is looking at this car cares but on a single tank it'll do 650 kilometers that's right that's right everyone i said kilometers i didn't say bald eagles per football field yeah we use real measurements here (laughs) (laughs) yes we do for those of you Playing at home, who couldn't do it in your head? That's like four hundred and four miles. I want to say, which is phenomenal for a car making over five hundred horsepower that probably weighs over five thousand pounds. I was gonna say, what is your apartment building weigh? It's probably somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's not a light. It's not a light car. Uh, I assume it's by. Oh no, actually, it says it right here. I don't have to assume. It's done with that variable valve that they you know you shut down half the cylinders when you don't need them and all that kind of crap oh of course at this point that technology has been around for so many years it's not standard by any means but i it's trustable the big drop on this wasn't that it was a four-door but it's more so that it it got a v8 that was the thing i mean i think that's been a marketing gimmick for bentley for a long time is that they have these cars and then they come out with like the V8 versions, kind of like Aston Martin does, where they'll build a car and then they'll build the V8 version. It was a, it was a like a W12, wasn't it? I think the first engine that Bentley puts in things is a W12, yeah. Which I mean is really the way to go. If you know, start with 12. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I want. That's what I want Toyota to remember when they make the next Prius. Toyota. Start with twelve. <laughs> Start with twelve. Start with twelve, and then just give us an engine with like a bike seat on it, and we'll just yeah. That that'll that's yeah. I need be. I need to be able to steer it, but outside of that, go nuts. It's on one wheel. Just lean. I buy. Just lean. Like those stupid. You see those like go anywhere unicycle things where like you sit inside the wheel and it rolls around you yeah no 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 like they're they're unicycles i'm putting air quotes around that for those of you who can't see me which actually includes vince they they're motorized and they're like this it's like this board with a big giant wheel in the middle of it and they're like oh it can go anywhere and like the promotional videos have it like driving on trails and crap in the woods oh yeah i know what you're talking about who's buying those i have to know Idiot college kids, because I saw plenty of them around campus. That's fair. Kids don't want to walk anywhere. You know, back in my day, you took a Razor scooter, all right? You had a giant, like, right calf, <laughs> and you just you, <laughs> you just pushed yourself around. Actually, that wouldn't have worked at Geneseo. You'd have, been, you'd have been dead with all those freaking hills. Oh, God. That would have been rough. Doable, but still. Yeah. I was also impressed with, as I believe you were, the configuration site yeah no the configuration site is in depth for sure yeah i don't know if people out there are familiar mostly on car websites you can you know build and price your vehicle right you can pick a exterior color and the wheels and you know the what the interior is made of and all that stuff and it's it's cool there's some highly customizable stuff out there on bentley's site you can choose whether or not you want the center console to extend all the way through the rear seats or kind of stop at the middle and then be low slung so you can actually get like your foot through it yeah they'll change the body for you literally how you you can order which wood and two-tone trim you want on the dash which also runs to the doors and to the back of the car and vince what was it you pointed out to me before about the paint categories oh yeah so in, on Bentley's site, you pick a paint category. You say you want red or blue. And then that opens up a drop-down menu, and you get like another 15 options within that color spectrum. You can have your Bentley Flying Spur in one of eight blacks. Kind of like Archer and his shirts, or his Tactinecks. Tactinecks. They're all a slightly different shade of black. Or is one a slightly darker black? Yeah. That that's a great analogy. Yeah, there are, there are eight eight blacks you can have it in. Me personally, I went with the azure purple, but that's just me. That's what color my Bentley will be when I find it on the side of the road. <laughs> Some of their color names are great too. You got cricket ball. That's just why would you hallmark granite? This one's just called breeze. I'm trying to remember which one I actually went with. Or you can go full Bentley and get in Monaco yellow. No. <laughs> It looks like if Bumblebee from Transformers did like a lot of steroids. I know what I did. I went with the Portofino blue. Ah. <laughs> Another classic color. We sound poor saying these colors. Like <laughs> What? How did how did I say that bad? We just do No, you do, but just the way we try to say it, like we just don't. Like if we walked into a Bentley dealership, right? We could we could rent like suits way nicer than anything we own. Walk into a Bentley dealership. The second you ask for it, one of, the second one of us talks about the car, like, I'm sorry, sir, we're going to ask you both to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right, but it still hurts. No, I know. It does. Well, the truth, the truth is often painful. One of the things I appreciate most about the body lines on this are 
the kind of mock fins that they put over the rear arches. That is nice. It's really hard to pick out from the full side view, but you put like a three-quarter view of the rear, and it just stands out. Like It's sharp enough where you get two different mirror reflections in the paint. Oh, It is nice. I It makes for one of the weirdest shaped gas caps I've ever seen. It literally is like on an angle. There's two. Yeah, angles, the gas cap's a little strange. But... A nitpick to put it mildly. On, oh no, on the flush gas cap has a weird <laughs> shape to it. The thing that stays down and just continues the body line for like 90% of the time you're driving a car. You mock me, but that would keep us in the dealership at Bentley. And go, hmm, this gas cap is angled slightly skewed. And they'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't, I don't think so. I don't know if a Bentley owner actually fills up their own car. Oh, crap. You got me there. <laughs> well done. Well played. What is this gas <laughs> you talk of? I just have Smithers go out and handle the fueling for me. If it's even a tick below the F, which I believe stands for, for God's sake, Smithers, fill the tank of the motor car. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for. I'm fairly certain. Although if gas is not your thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's another new car for people who don't like gas. (laughs) So we spoke last episode about the host of electric pickup trucks on the horizon and gm who obviously listened to the show is the only explanation the only explanation because it didn't happen like during the day today it was like last night it was last night and i mean you know clearly they got the advanced copy and they were like well we have to we have to do this now gm dropped the hummer ev and well i hate it i'm so angry at GMC for this vehicle and let's go through the reasons why shall we first of all it looks it looks like it's there I a lot of things that I'm going to pick on on this design there's a lot of things the, the, I'm mad at them because I'm frustrated they have so many elements to this truck that are awesome it's got a removable roof and t-tops over the back seats great feature I love it with the roof removed it looks like it was stripped for parts and left in the desert somewhere yes what were you thinking what were you thinking did no one look the body line on the back where the bed goes to meet the cab and I I don't do this often but if you want to really get the full experience of this I implore everyone listening look this vehicle up just do it you have to you have to experience this pain with us the rear body line they styled it it looks like they they sat down in the room and thought you know you know what truck everyone loved remember when the Honda Ridgeline couldn't decide if it wanted to compete with the Suburban or the Avalanche Let's make it look like that, but not even make it functional. That's the thing. The bed's still there. It just is literally just a design choice to make it look like it's got a half of a bed. I want to say the Ridgeline has a more usable bed than this. You're absolutely right. And that is depressing. Very depressing. The interior looks fine. It looks space-aged. It's got all the technology that you could want. The car itself... Keeping in mind it's an electric vehicle, sure, the interior is fine. Whatever. It's a little too many screens for my taste on a a vehicle you're going to try to put out there as a serious off-roader. Oh, and they are, by the way. It's electric. Oh, yeah. No, they want this to be an off-roader. There is one, one, maybe two-second sequence on their whole promotional page where it is on a paved road. Everything else is off-road. And to that end, I assume, is what went into designing the front, wherein GM said, you know, I love the truck look. It's great. You know how those guys put those light bars with the intensity of a small dying star on the front of their truck? (laughs) Let's just do that for them. And then put our nameplate across it 
just for good measure. GM, you could have done so well with this truck. There's so much about it I like. It, it's got, it was named, everything was named by a nine-year-old who apparently also had a hand in designing it. So it's got crab walk. Have you, are you familiar with this? Yes. Yeah, I am. Uh, it'll drive diagonally. It's got, it's got crab walk, which if you ever wanted to know how one of those six by sixes gets around or like the diesel brothers, triple stretched, like just massive, huge pickups, they have crab walk features so that they can actually take corners this is not that size no not even a little bit i see the i see the crab walk as well as a few other features like it has an ability to go into a mode that will specifically raise it six inches it'll give itself a six inch lift and they're calling it basically a recovery mode for when you get stuck hold on the the gm term was extract mode sorry extraction I want to make sure, you know what's even better about this too, so you can also see just how badly you've screwed up when you do take this off-road that one time. Uh, it's got, where the hell is it? It's got underbody cameras. Underbody mounted cameras. So when you finally slam something so hard that it blow the transfer case, you're going to go, oh, yep, that's a rock, all right, and there it is in high definition. <laughs> now, <laughs> assuming you didn't just crack the camera out, but... Considering it's mounted under the body. If you got this thing stuck on something, you're going to be hitting that camera. Scrape the hell out of it, I feel like. The six-inch lift thing is is another thing I want to just touch on a little more. This is a very low vehicle for something that they're trying to put out there as like this off-road machine. Yeah. Wouldn't you want it to just be six inches taller all the time? I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want that. Yeah, it seems like it would make more sense. Considering, if you look at it from side profile, the brake angle at the front and the rear look great. You know, you look at the angle to the tire and where it would actually start rubbing the bumpers, and you're like, wow, that's that's pretty good. I mean, sure, the, the gas tank in the rear hangs a, a little lower than the bumper, but you know what? That's not important. You can bash that. And then you look at the side skirts and you go, wow, that's below the center line of the wheel. That's not good. So obviously it's like, you sure, you want to go down a little side trail, a path or something. You're fine. You want to actually do the off any of the off-roading that they actually showed in the promos for this and that they're attempting apparently to try to get the people who buy these things to do well i guess you got to drive it in six inch lift the whole time literally the entire time i would think performance wise if you haven't seen it it'll do zero to 60 well the addition one which sorry reservations are full but you can get on a wait list for it if you like We'll do 0 to 60 in approximately 3 seconds in something called Watts to Freedom mode. Don't even get me started. <laughs> oh my god. And as far as pricing goes, this is one of the first of many times that I was wrong. I said it was around 70, which I wasn't far off. The base, for the, the EV2. For the base, no. No, the EV2, which will be available in spring of 2024, so... Start saving up because that'll start at $79,995. It'll include all the 
the stuff super cruise driver assistance which sounds vaguely like autopilot potential of two motors 250 plus mile range i would really like to see how that number shakes out 625 horsepower 7400 pound feet of torque not bad and with something called adrenaline mode which i assume is what also is watts to freedom mode up on the the ev1 edition but there'll be three the two the 2x and the 3x the 2X will run you $89,995. The 3X will run you $99,995. They're all released. It's interesting, right? The EV Edition 1, which is the one where reservations are full. At $113,000. Yeah. It's interesting how they released that, isn't it? So the, the EV1 is coming out fall, supposedly fall 2021 at one hundred and thirteen dollars The EV3X is coming in fall 2022 at $100,000. The 2X spring 2023 at 90 and the EV2 spring 2024 at 80. So I figure if you just wait until spring 2040, you can get one for about 45 cents in a McChicken. <laughs> yeah. Or, or my prediction is in winter of 2021 or you know what? Fine. Spring of 2022. You're going to find a Hummer EV edition one at your local car auction completely wrecked that's a good question how long does it take for someone to wreck one considering who's going to be buying these oh we've found either never because it'll sit in a garage its entire life or immediately because they have no idea what they're doing well there's a certain responsibility to buying it because people who aren't ready for the electric vehicle experience in terms of the on-demand power people who aren't ready for an electric vehicle experience and are going to be buying this for showmanship are going to be getting with the ev edition one a thousand horsepower eleven thousand five hundred foot pounds of torque monster that's going to be a very difficult vehicle to drive if you just put your foot in it with absolutely no idea of what that's going to feel like and that's why i think it had to be low honestly i think they're worried about rolling it okay with that many foot pounds of torque i feel like i want to take it to the dunes (laughs) and uh just put my foot in it and see what happens. I want to see how fast I can dig to China. Is there something larger than rooster tails that you'd be throwing up? You would just spin the whole thing and bury it. I think GM fell into the trap that they have with the Sierras, which is that what do you want to do? Let's say I loved it, which I don't. I don't know if I've made that clear. I don't. I think it was designed vaguely to look like the H1, a mark that it very clearly misses, by the way. It was made for an off-road community that isn't going to exist for a very long time. Guys aren't going to be taking electric two things. Guys aren't going to be taking electric vehicles off-roading. Yeah. Cuz you just don't know, right? Part of the part of the reason that you take a vehicle out into the middle of the woods. That vehicle is usually fixable with not a lot of kit. It's usually something you can repair in the field. I don't know how much of this car is field repairable. My guess is none of it. Most likely. Say I liked it. Say I take delivery of my my Hummer EV. It's a very sleek looking car. It's a very clean looking car. It's a very nice car. Eh. For the sake of the hypothetical. <laughs> oh, okay. For the sake of the hypothetical. I don't want to go get it scratched and dinged up and dirty and mud in places that I can't clean out. And wh- Why? Why am I going to do that? You know, it's like the Sierra. You don't want to use the Sierra to do what it's built to do because it's it's nice. You can build the hell out of this car for, for off-road use, but the way you present it, the way it looks, who's going to use it for that? I, my guesstimate's a handful of people, but I can't see that many. Well, I'm not saying no one will, but yeah, I, I, I think you're... 
I think you're going to miss the current ad campaign here. You're missing those people. You're just going to. Mostly because a lot of us don't have upwards of $80,000 to spend on an electric vehicle. And those who do are buying Teslas. Those people who try to use it for a commuter car, yeah, they're buying Teslas. And I think the real people that are going to be looking to even think about buying this basically one demographic it's a supercar owner somebody who has that kind of money looking for the fun toy that maybe they take out once or twice to actually do what it was designed to do with basically i guess what i'm trying to say is the hummer ev is the four-door jeep wrangler for supercar owners And we know how you feel about those. Yeah. Not apologizing <laughs> to that community. You know what this reminds me of? What? It reminds me of when the Raptor first came out. Really? It does. I mean, they didn't bring back a nameplate Ford, obviously. But it's a high money, not new technology, but new standard for a demographic or a, you know, a category or a class. In as far as the ads go and the campaign goes, built with serious off-roading in mind, with a lot of stuff that's geared in that direction. Outrageous numbers, the whole deal. That's what Ford did with the Raptor when it first showed up. Yeah, but the Raptor looked good. <laughs> yeah, sounded good too. Don't get me wrong, I actually do kind of like the sound of high-performance electric vehicles. Because they do, like, like high-performance electric vehicles that have that kind of horsepower number, they have a sound. If you've ever listened to one drive... They actually make a noise. It's not an engine noise. It's not that loud, but it has its own signature. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool if it's all right. I, I Listen, I respect it. I will be interested to see. This is like, this is in the same vein as the Grand Wagoneer. We said the same thing. I'll be really interested to see this put through its paces for real and not by someone from GMC. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this, especially because I think it could really take it. And it will be able to do everything they put it through, and it will be awesome. But that one time you see it on YouTube is going to be the only time you see it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to see what what will it take. Like, you know, they show, yeah, it'll go over these rocks and drive fast over sand and all this other stuff. And, yeah, that's great. Take it through a mud puddle. Take it down to one of those things where the guys have their trucks lifted halfway to heaven. If they, if they really want to put this thing through its paces and, like, give it a respect in the community... They should give one of these to the Motor Trend guys, give it to like Dirt Every Day or something, and let them just take it on a trip. They should let us run it through the Gambler. That's what they should do. This thing going through the Gambler 500 <laughs> would be badass. GMC, send us to the Gambler 500 with a Hummer EV. It'll be fun. Come on. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, no, I promise we will take very good care of it. <laughs> None of the headlights will be broken. No, no, it'll there won't definitely be beer bottles in the back. Removable roof, you know, I won't be fishing through that at all. So <laughs> that's a good. That's a, I mean, you know, why not? If you if you really want to build, I mean, not us, obviously, because we're just us. But somebody, why would why wouldn't you do that? You really got GM. You got the money to burn. Go ahead, send one out. Have it do the gambler. I will. I won't change how I feel about how it looks because no, I don't like it. But I will. I will change my tune on the car. I think the thing that I hate the most about the looks of this are the three yellow-orange lights oh, at the top of the windshield. stupid amber supposed to be like cab lights. But yeah, like I feel they're, they're giving me two vibes. They're giving me like cab light vibes, obviously. But 
I'm also getting the vibes of like when the Rangers would have the like the ball cap with the lights on it. Yes. That's what it looks like to me. And it's just stupid. Yeah, that's really dumb. Well, it's even stupider when you realize that the part of the roof immediately behind it comes off. So those are literally only mounted on that little section of beam. Yeah. (laughs) That's really stupid. But there it is. It exists for worse. It's here now. I'm I'm intrigued to see it on the road. I don't know that I will for some time, but you never know. And I, the second I do, y'all are going to hear about it because I'm going to have some things to say. Oh, I'll have a whole interview for about it because I will pull the person over and talk to them. I have several questions. Number one, where did you get the $113,000 to buy this <laughs> monstrosity? Number two... Do you not have literally anything else that you wanted? Seriously? You know how sweet of a four-door Wrangler you could have bought with that money? (laughs) This might be the one time in my life I would say I'd rather see someone with a four-door Wrangler. Wow. Damn, GM, you really screwed up. Yeah, you fucked up bad. Good lord. You know, the other thing about it, what did... It's so funny that they did this the way that they did, right? Because there are very clearly elements of this truck... I guess, that are aimed at at stuff that other people are doing, specifically at Jeep. There are some Jeep-seeking missiles on this vehicle. Yeah. The the roof immediately just screams it. Right off the bat. Right. And we talked about this in the last week or the first episode? I thought it was last week. It was last week. We talked about it last week, how I wanted it back, specifically taking aim at Jeep, but as its own vehicle, like Ford did with the Bronco. Right. God, how great is the Bronco, though? Oh, gosh. Ford, you killed it with the Bronco. The Bronco might be one of the best. It's probably going to be, like, top five of the decade. Ford really did their homework on bringing the Bronco back. They listened. They listened to what people would want from that. They did. They paid attention. That's really really all it was. Yeah. They sat down, and they went, huh, so the Bronco... What was it known for? Off-roading. Cool. Let's make it be able to do that. Design-wise, it was always this boxy kind of SUV, GP thing. Should we make that more modern and like, you know, aerodynamic so it gets better gas mileage? And then somebody in the back of the room was like, no. Why? Then it wouldn't be a Bronco. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, of They're course. Like, you're, right. you're right. You're right. What, what are we thinking? But they, they kept it, but they styled it. And then they threw it out with all these cool, what are there like eight of them? Oh, Five, they hit it up them? with package after package after package. You've got, you've got the Wild Track, the Badlands, the Outer Banks, the Black Diamond, the Big Bend, and then your base Bronco. And they all come with different little configurations that just make them kind of their own unique little thing. The doors come off, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, the roof comes out. The Bronco came out and said, sorry, Wrangler, you're not the only one anymore and did it well. The thing with the the trim levels for the Bronco is that the base trim level, it, it looks like they designed the base trim level to like they, they specifically were like, all right, what is this going to look like as a bare bones vehicle? Then we can make the versions that like we would want to buy. But they made the base one look appealing and like those design elements carry over to everything else but you get like the tires and the wheels and you know small things here and there right. on every on all the on the other trim levels but the base one like it still has the fender flares it still has all those things that like really give the new bronco 
that kick in the pants it needed as far as like a redesign goes to make it look more modern while still maintaining those perfectly classic body lines. They did great. They did great. And they they market the base model as like, hey, here's all our configurations, but we want to see what yours looks like. You know, this has everything that all the other ones have in terms of capability. You know, take it out and make it, you know, make it yours. Make it what you want, what you think it should be. I can't wait to see what the aftermarket's going to do with that platform. Oh, my God. You are going to see some sick freaking Broncos, man. Yeah. If I have if I have one complaint, can you guess what it is? Engine. You know me so well. Yes. Your wild track, which is their high-speed kind of, that's what it says, high-speed off-roading as their thing is a 2.7 liter twin turbo v6 which again we talked i talked about it last week twin turbo v6s i'm coming around but come on you don't want it you don't want a coyote bronco i want a coyote bronco i wonder if they're gonna make a ford might not but i wonder how quickly there's going to be a swap kit for the 7.3 oh (laughs) oh my god I'd buy that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I know. You would go into all sorts of debt for that. 100%. No, I, I 100%. Cuz the base listen, it's it's priced right. Yeah. And I before you start hating on the base engine in it. Look, four-cylinder diesels as off-road engines are like holy grail for getting you there, not fast, but reliably. But they're but they're and out. Yes. Yeah. No, and I'm, I'm with you there. It, although it's a gas engine, I think the four-cylinder turbo that is in the Bronco as a standard engine has proved itself to be one of the most reliable modern Ford engines since its time in the in the Focus. They put that in the Focus. They put that in the was it in the Fusion? Or was it a different version? Was the 2.3 in the Fusion? I think there was one in the Fusion. There was a Turbo 4 in the Fusion, but I don't remember if it was the 2.3 or not. I don't know. But the, it's, it's, the Focus especially, it's proved itself to be incredibly reliable yes. and, and very you know playful and tunable for people who like to tinker with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's done a great job in, uh, in the Mustang as, a, as an entry point there. And again, proved itself reliable for people who just like to beat on it because they have that as a fun car. Excuse me? What did you just say? What has done a great job in the Mustang? I think the 2.3 four-cylinder turbo has done a great job in the Mustang. You really want to do this now? You disagree? Vince, there is no place in this world for a four-cylinder Mustang. None. Wow. You're, you're, You're really trying to say that. No, I'm not trying to say it. I just said it. And I'll say it again. There is no place in this world for a four-cylinder Mustang. <laughs> wow. You uh, you really cracked open that bottle of Crazy Pills today, huh? Excuse me. First of all, the fact that it's even offered in a V6 is blasphemy. Let's start with that. It used to be, yeah. So that shouldn't have even happened. And now they have the audacity, the gall, the unmitigated nerve to say, no, no, here's a four-cylinder Mustang. No. I'm sorry. No. It's funny. I remember a time when the four-cylinder Mustang made more power and was faster than the V8 GT of the time. And what time would that be, Vince? Uh, I believe that was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Because, oh no, gas engines have to be regulated now. 
which sucked. I'm not going to say it didn't suck, but had to happen because of the time and the changes that were going on, the EPA and all that. So, you know, whatever. Everyone had to do it. And Ford went, well, our Mustang kind of sucks, so let's make it fun again. Oh, hey, we can make a lot of power with a turbo and a you know, small engine. Let's do that and see what happens. And it was awesome. For then. But now, in this world, there's no place for a four-cylinder Mustang. I refuse. Now, does that mean people aren't buying it? No, there are a bunch of people who bought it because why wouldn't you? It's cheaper and all this other crap. Fine. So why? Specifically why? Give me the main base reason why that deserves to not exist. It was born out of necessity of the time. Okay. We don't. It's not necessary anymore. Our V8s are plentiful. They make wonderful power on their own. They make even better power aftermarket. The Coyote platform takes mods better than almost anything out there right now. It's one of the nicest sounding engines I've ever heard. 100% agree. It just kind of tanks the spirit of the car. You know, you don't, you're not a little disappointed when a Mustang pulls up and it's, it's not a V8. Mm, not really no you're the wrong you're the wrong person to ask that okay 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 <laughs> you're saying it tanks the spirit of the car yes what is the spirit of the mustang what was the original design philosophy for the mustang i'm, I'm sorry do you want me to say it i do because if i have to sit here and, and talk about how you're right i'm gonna be sick <laughs> The original design philosophy for, Mustang, for the Mustang was for it to compete with European sports cars. Now, yes, it was supposed to do that with an American flair. However, it was a small, sporty, fun-to-drive car. That's what it was designed for. That had nothing to do with whether or not it had a V8 engine in it. There was that option, and the main base options were inline six-cylinder standard family car engines that simply in the lighter, lower, and probably, I think, short, you know, shorter wheelbase cars, it would, you know, feel more fun to drive. Now, yeah, you put a V8 in it, and it's awesome, you know, even more so. But the spirit of it was not big power V8. So, yeah. Not initially, maybe. It's the origin of the car. That's the spirit of the car. So if they're going to make a version that's still fun to drive, but doesn't have a V8, it's still a Mustang and it deserves to exist. It needs to be differentiated. It is differentiated. It's called an EcoBoost Mustang. Not a GT. I don't know. You're making great points, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and you're right. The, that's the origin, maybe, and that's how it came out, but the Mustang didn't take off because it reminded people of European cars or it competed properly, you know, and the initial, the most popular versions of the car are all V8, with a couple exceptions. Okay. Because the beating heart of America is a V8 engine. <laughs> Yeah, all right. This is where everybody starts chanting, USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> and then halfway through the chant, they have to go fill up on gas and come back. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think if your comeback is, oh, you have to go to the gas station. I'm sorry. Did you want to tell me how they had to stop three times on the way over because they overheated? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Just just asking. <laughs> I mean, it's a valid point. Sure. 
I don't even have issues with the cars that keep the six cylinders in them for the sake of the, you know, the year. I mean, if it came with an inline six and you take it out and clean it and put it all back in for the sake of maintaining it. Yeah. Godspeed. I'm with you hundred percent. I'm not going to sit there and go, Oh, it's a V6. Blah. Like, no. I'm not that guy. I respect the integrity of the of the previous model years. I don't know. I think in a market where you're competing with Dodge, who's just shoving V8s into everything. Notice how I didn't say Chevy because the Camaro is just a mess. You know, you'd think that you'd be kind of pushing that a little more, that there's a little more performance involved. You know, you don't see a lot for the... They talk about it in the commercials and stuff. Something feels, something about it just doesn't feel right to me, I guess is the final. I could sit here all day and say, you know, oh, it's it's wrong, which it is. But only because it feels that way, not because it might actually be that way. I think at the very least, it deserves to be there, if for no other reason than as an entry point. You're talking about, like, in general? Just for people getting into it? or Yeah. So, Mustangs, back in the day with their V8 engines, the real Mustangs, apparently. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they made power, but it was reasonable. It right. wasn't anything that was just going to outright kill you. And where's the fun in that? <laughs> For somebody who's trying to buy their first car, you know, the first new car or just their first car, you know, do you want the current V8 Mustang that makes enough power to kill you? Especially if you live in an area where you've got winter and snow, maybe not. Maybe you want the thing that you can actually drive every day throughout all the seasons and live, but still have the fun Mustang. God damn you, that's a good point. I really want to argue with you, but it makes a lot of sense. I'd actually like to, you know, you mentioned the person like buying their first vehicle. I'd like to take the time now for everyone who's listening, which, listen, could be like up to six people now, maybe. Oh. <laughs> That would be. We could dream, right? I could cry, cry if six people listen to this. And before I before I actually get into that, I'd like to remind you, as I try to do every week, that we are still brought to you by no one. This announcement is brought to you by nothing. Ty didn't return our calls. <laughs> Ty didn't return our calls. Vince has been staining clothes, putting them in envelopes, and sending them to them. And for whatever reason, they haven't responded. Shameful. This is this is I think going to be our. One of our main campaigns, right? We say a lot of stuff on, on here all the time. We say, tell me I'm wrong and all that other stuff. But our campaign for this show will always and forever be mod your cars. It is more than likely that at some point in the life of this show that you're going to hear us criticize some stuff that people do to cars. There's going to be some stuff that we find particularly personally that we don't like or that we find stupid. Vince, right or wrong? Absolutely. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do an engine swap. You don't have to do, you know, crazy body mods. You know, LED lights on the inside that have different colors if you like. Speaker upgrades, stickers. Do stuff to your vehicles. Just because someone doesn't like it, especially us, does not mean that you shouldn't do it. Because if you like it, that's all that matters. Yeah. Mod your cars, man. You know, I, I know that there are people, you know, business people who like to keep their vehicles stock standard and nothing about them. And that's fine. If that's how you want to go through life, that's great. But people who care and, and like this kind of stuff, and if you're listening to this, you have some sort of affinity for it, mod your cars. Do stuff to them. Know, know where they are across a parking lot, you know? As long as you own it. Don't mod a lease. <laughs> don't mod a lease. Oh, my God. Just don't. 
please. You know, I'm trying to like be inspiring and shit over here. And you're like, just don't model lease, you know? No, but that's, that is legitimate and inspiring. You're not owning some, you're not, you're not modding something you own. You're modding something the bank owns and you're just wasting money. Mod your cars. Unless you're leasing them. Thank you. You're welcome. Kind of, kind of undercuts the poignancy, but it's fine. Mod your cars. And tell us how you've modded your cars. I don't care. I got 900 stickers on the back of my truck. Each one adds five horsepower, I'm pretty sure. Whatever whatever makes you happy to do, if you do it a thing and then you look at it and like smile at it for five minutes, do that. Do that stuff. A car is a major part of your life. It should be your own. 100%. God, I'm going to tear up over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about that sixth listener? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he or she is the one who really really sends it over the top for me. That's who I Just do. Make it us for. feel wanted. That's what it is, and not like the by the police kind. No, I don't <laughs> like that feeling. Unless you're leasing them, mod your cars. And actually, you know, on that same vein, don't worry about the imaging of vehicles. If you like a car, you like a car. That's the other thing. Yeah. I'm so tired of like the toxic car people going, "Oh, you." Uh, you got a Miata? Those are those are you know hairdressers' car. Get the get out of here. Miatas are fun. Yeah, they really are. But I mean, every everyone's gonna have their taste. Of course. I like cars that Nick hates. This is true. He likes cars that I'm only okay with. <laughs> also true. Also true. But I'm never gonna disparage Vince for pulling up in something that I don't like. You know, he's gonna pull up and you know, get in and like, all right, we're gonna go do some unreasonably safe driving safely <laughs> good save thank good you. save thank you you know and, and the car community is supposed to be open to anybody and it's one of the easiest ones to be in you have a car great bam you're in welcome you know so don't worry about don't worry about what other people say about your car if you like it it's yours don't worry about that other stuff you know just a car to get you around from place to place congratulations you're a part of car culture yeah I don't trust me the people who own quote unquote real cars will love you for being there because yours will actually work to get them around place to place on a daily basis. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I didn't mean to pontificate for a minute there, but I'm so tired of hearing that, like, at meets and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, no, it's, it gets real annoying. Yeah, especially, like, especially, like, when it's, like, a young kid, you know, somebody just, you can tell it's, like, just getting into it, you know, they're making however much money a week at some random job, and they're clearly putting what they can back into the car, and you're gonna, whatever. Be nicer to each other, all right? But Vince, four-cylinder Mustangs suck and you're an idiot. Anyway. Just had to throw that in there, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want people to think I was too nice. Come on. I have an image to protect, probably. I'm going to... That's it. You've, you've just made up the... In my mind, I need to buy a four-cylinder Mustang <laughs> and make it faster than whatever you own. Wow. That'll be a fun segment to follow down the line when i have, have 800 horsepower pump gas four-cylinder mustang yeah that does sevens <laughs> okay i'm gonna play that audio every time you blow a fucking head gasket blow a head gasket beating your ass drop a drop <laughs> i'm gonna have it on repeat on my phone fluids pouring out an 800 pump <laughs> gas four-cylinder that does sevens <laughs> Of course. See, there's no better fuel for a build than spite. Very true. Passion and spite, they're like right, uh, they're right there. Yeah. They're right there. Speaking of passions, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think it's about that time, isn't it? Oh, is it? Well, we have to make our weekly plea. Are you ready? I am ready. Preach. I will. 
Father, <laughs> Father Nick, preach. No, please. no. Actually, I did get ordained online forever ago, so it is actually the Reverend. I am the Reverend Nicholas. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's that. My apologies for addressing you incorrectly. Yeah, well, you know, they'll figure it out. They all do eventually. God, Car God, Jeremy Clarkson, James Pumphrey, it's us again. Your humble disciples, begging, pleading for you to return these lost models to us in all of their glory, and once again smite down the abominations we give as sacrifice. This is this for that. And if you don't mind, Vince, I'd like to start it off this week. Absolutely. God, give us back the Ford Thunderbird. Ooh. Thank you. Are you ready for this? Because you're not going to like it. Oh, boy. And you can have the Nissan 370Z. Specifically just the 370? The the entire car. Like yeah. the upcoming 400, like the whole Nissan Z. Yeah. Oh, I have a problem with that. Of course you would. Of course you would. Well, I didn't know about the 400, personally. I don't care. Get rid of it. Do we want to start with that since you want to argue with me? No, no, it's fine. You can go ahead. Give me your reasons for, I mean, I don't need to know the reasons for bringing back the Thunderbird. It's amazing. I love it. But tell me anyway. It is amazing. We do love it. I think Ford could do a pretty good job on it, uh, basically on the Mustang footprint, honestly, because it sits kind of in the same body dimensions that you would want a Thunderbird to have. You just have to change the cabin around a bit. So you would want specifically just like a two-door Thunderbird. Yes, two-door T-Bird. Not like the, you know, I call it the Bugs Bunny one because I always feel like it would come up in the cartoon. But they tried to do it from whatever, 2000 to whatever it was, 08 or 09 or something like that. They tried to do one. It looked fine. I think they tried to they tried to make it look retro and therefore it didn't look very good. I think that if they took it, if they opened the Mustang's mouth a little more and made it look almost more like, not a Nova, but you know, like, like the 60s Thunderbirds looked? If yeah, they yeah, squared yeah. it off like that. And then ran it down. I think it would look pretty solid. And, you know, they could... Uh, even a twin-turbo V6 one would be a blast. Well, it's a Thunderbird. I get it. It's American. It had a V8. Yes, this is all true. But it was a luxury car, first and foremost. So, so engine doesn't really matter. Not really. Actually... You know, putting it that way, you'd probably have Lincoln do it, right? I would assume it would be under a Lincoln badge. You'd have, well, or at the very least on one of their platforms, you know? I saw one render that made it look like like a cross between a Mustang and a Vantage. I don't know if I like that. I didn't. Seems a little too sporty. Well, and they, they ran it back to a, it almost looks like the, the rear end off a Model X Tesla. Like, it's a weird, it's a weird vehicle. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't mm. do it that way. I think. I think trying to. I mean, we keep referring back to the Challenger, but even even the research they did on the Bronco, the way they did it with the Bronco and kind of formed it to a modern design that keeps the elements of what it was. I'd have been with that. They could do it. They could do it. They could do it well. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I could see it, and I would love for that to come back under a Lincoln badge because I know Lincoln is not currently making a ton of sedans or just car platforms in general. They're making a lot more SUVs and Ford of course is notoriously pretty much axing all of their cars and continuing to phase them out as the years continue here. So yeah, that, that would be a really good badge to bring back. They could run it. Honestly, Lincoln could do it on the continental platform. That would be pretty sick. Yeah. I imagine that's what they would do. Or the MKZ. But I feel like the Continental, just wheelbase because it's longer, would lend itself more to the body lines that they would do on a modern Thunderbird. 
Right, right. And I, I've I've seen some of those newer Continentals, and um, they're not absurdly wide. So I think as far as like a modern look for a Thunderbird would go, it should be it should be okay. But I'd want the Ford designers on it because that Lincoln Continental does nothing for me. It's not retro. It's no, it's not yeah. retro in the slightest. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, it's it seems nice, like a nice enough car, but it looks like if you looked up car in the dictionary, like that's what would come up. Like, yeah, that's, that's a car. There you go. All right, let's get to the part you don't like. Let's get to the part you're wrong about. <laughs> you know, as as somebody who likes cars, which I like to think that I am, I am willing to admit that I'm probably wrong about this. It's just, I don't know. They're they're putting more into it now than they were. They were really phoning it in on this car for a very long time. Nissan was, and you know, it it took to get to get what you really wanted out of it. It took, you know, I think more work than it should have. You know, like you mentioned, there's there's more coming out now. They're putting more into it now. I'm inclined to believe that I could be wrong about this in the future. Well, what was what was it about the 370 that you didn't like? It felt like they came out with it because they wanted to replace the 350, and that was it. They were like, hey, we made it a little more modern, and there it is the end it didn't feel like more went into the car you know they tried to counter some like reimagined version of the 350 and it just wasn't what it was it just looked more styled i didn't really get the vibe that they were trying to pass it off as like this whole new thing i thought it was just more of a evolution of what the 350 was but even that looks like they just let someone mod a 350 you know they did the what do they do they did the 50th anniversary edition is the one that they're doing and then they have you know there's there's two there's two other trim levels there's a standard and a sport i think it's meant to be just kind of like a stripped down kind of not stripped down but like an essential sports car right which is fine but you know they're also running it around 30 grand before you really get into it i don't know it just doesn't seem like it fits i think once you get in one, you realize that it's not just the essential sports car. It might drive like an essential sports car, but it is a very livable vehicle. Like day to day? Yeah. They're not they're not chintzy. They're they're not missing on really anything as far as creature comforts, interior, all that kind of stuff. You could argue that the three fifties at the base or uh, you know the base models for those were a little lackluster, and I think that's where they stepped it up the most on the three seventy, is making all of the models very livable cars yeah i i can i can understand and probably agree with your assessment of the outside being that it looks like somebody modded a 350 but i don't see that as a negative the 350s stock they're pretty plain they always were and that was kind of the awesomeness about it because you could make it your own very easily it was a very widely supported aftermarket platform and I mean, the 370 is as well in, in return, but more from a performance aspect and less of a stylistic one, because I think they look sharp. I mean, I don't know what you think about it. I, I think they look damn good. The base car looks fine. I, this is the last year for it, I believe. Yeah. In 2020. The base car looks fine. I think the Nismo edition looks better. Oh, the Nismo edition is way better. They also they do a Centra Nismo, really? Why? Yeah, doesn't. There's nothing. Don't, don't worry. Can about I it. can I amend this? <laughs> can I can I switch my sacrifice car? Cause no, because you said it and <laughs> it's did. on the table. I did, but and you <laughs> wrong. God damn it. Yeah. All right. Fine. 
I'll stick with it. If I had another shot, I'd get rid of the Centronismo, though. Because <laughs> that's just unnecessary. Just get rid of the Centra. It's a terrible vehicle. Yeah, just get rid of the Centra. Yeah. Well, it's no fun if you agree with me all the time. So. Yeah. No, I, I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. I, I feel like that in today's world of accessible to you know mostly everybody um sports cars brand new that that's one of the holy grails all right you want a 370z or a four-cylinder mustang you really about to make me pick yeah yeah i am yeah 370 of course wow listen if you I'm not defending the four-cylinder Mustang to the point where if you were to say to me, okay, you have your choice. You can own a four-cylinder Mustang or you can own a V8. If I could own a V8 Mustang, I would own a V8 Mustang. If I had to have one car for, then that's it. I could just own one. I would own a four-cylinder Mustang. If I could own a car or an SUV to drive around day-to-day basis, go shopping, this, that, and then own a sports car, I would own a eight-cylinder GT Mustang. Hmm. That's my defense of it. But if I had to pick between a four-cylinder Mustang and a 370 or the upcoming 400Z, I, I would pick the Z all day long because I think it's a more put-together sports car. That's fair. That's a solid assessment. I I could get behind that. The Mustangs come leaps and bounds, for sure. Oh no, absolutely. But... I'm not denying that. Since in the years since they finally put a live rear axle in those things, they have just skyrocketed in performance, and they're just getting better. Very true. Very. I'm true. not trying to knock it by any means, <laughs> but the Z's been doing this for eons at this point. Is the 50th anniversary edition, is that 50 years of the Z, of the 370? Can't be, right? Well, no, it's 50 years of, I mean, like the 240, the yeah. 260, the 280. Yeah. It's 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 50 years of the Z. Of the Z. We're not going through a Datsun Nissan history lesson here. No, no, we're not. I think seven. it's like 79 to 85, something like that's the starting price on. So you could have all that extra money to mod it. The new one starts at 113. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, the... 2021 um, GTR. The legend continues. Really? Starting oh at 113.540. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, the Nismo starts at 210. So, you know, you're getting a deal. Well, but, before the redesign, <laughs> it was it was cheaper. Yes. No, absolutely. And <laughs> can't think of a better car to spend money on. Hell, you can get a... What? Oh, yeah, for 65 you can get a 13 with uh, 33,000 miles on it for 65 grand. I've seen them go for like 35 to 40,000 dollars on the used market. Who 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 is that stupid? Craigslist. God, I love Craigslist. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's but great. the the redesign of it, I'm a little iffy on the front. They rebodied it. No, they did. I'm not so sure I like the front so much, but a friend of mine took a photo of the rear end of it at the New York International Auto Show a year, a year and a half ago, something like that. And I, I, I took a hold of it and edited it down. The taillights on that thing, oh, gosh, they're beautiful. It's not a conventionally attractive car. No. But it's 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 nice looking. 
Here's an 09. I found an 09 with 69,000 miles on it for 47. So, there you go. It's even funnier, actually, that the 2009 in white looks like a like a flattened 350Z. Like, it looks like they, they just ironed it out and elongated it a little bit, when in actuality, it's, you know, a GTR. But either yeah. way, hell of, hell of a range of cars Nissan's got. Hell of, hell of a range they, of cars. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> All right, Vince. All right. Okay. So my prayer to the car gods would be, you know, I, th- I think we're just going to have to go for, uh, I want to, I want to get ahead of a uh, loss to the car community. That's going to be upcoming in the next year. Okay. 2020 is the last model year for the Honda civic coupe oh. of any type. And I feel like that needs to be brought back immediately. So you're, if you got rid of it yet and you want it back. Well, the, the 2021 model year, which is already starting to be this model year, mm-hmm. is that they are officially no longer selling Honda Civic Coupes. That's regular Honda, Honda Civic, Civic Coupes, right. SIs, everything Honda Civic. There's no longer a two-door version. And I think that needs to be brought back already. And it, to sacrifice for that, I would be willing to sacrifice the current honda civic type r wow you really don't like the type r (laughs) all right so i'm on board with the civic coupe there should always be civic coupes thank you uh you're welcome i don't know really what fueled the decision for that because i really don't either i see them all the time yeah they're everywhere and in a car whose market is partially about efficiency and you know affordability a, a two it's like the perfect commuter car yeah but anyway, aside from that, why do you hate the Type R so much? I think I hate the Type R so much. Like the current, I got I always have to stress this: the current Type R. Yes, yes. Because Honda Civic Type Rs in history have always just been a like factory modified version of the Civic Si. Like they were just trying to say, okay, let's make the most badass Si we can and we'll call it the Type R and it'll be hardcore, a track machine. Let's do it and go for it. And we did it every once in a while. But it was always like, it always seemed like this accessible thing. Like if you took the time, you could take your Honda Civic Si and make your own Type R out of it. It felt like that's what they did. They started with this and they came up with that. And I feel like with this one, they didn't. Sure, they might have started with the body initially, like the chassis, but everything about it, suspension, the engine, all the aerodynamic changes they did, which basically changed the body completely. It's just a completely different car. They softened it a bit too. You know, it's it's very clearly been made kind of a for everyone thing and not a it's not as hardcore as it as it used to be either, you know. No. No, no, no. yeah. It's 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 roadworthy. Yes. And it's the last thing you want in a vehicle. It's not punishing to you to drive it on a road with potholes right it's not it's, it is it's, it's basically what it's lost its edge yeah the car itself makes respectable numbers it has a decent amount of performance you know it makes amazing numbers it's blistering around the nurburgring it's fantastic but i feel like it's lost its roots so my my question to you then on that would be why bring back the civic coupe and why not take another crack at the type r just in a in a better you know just make it correctly if they want to take another crack at the type r 
based off of another civic coup, go for it. But this current type R doesn't deserve to be around. I feel I feel like this type R almost should have been a one or two year thing that was like, hey, we decided we were going to make a type R completely off the wall. Like, what if we literally took the track car and just slapped it on the road just soft enough for people to be able to drive them? That would have been cool. But this is like a recurring vehicle for them. And I don't like it. No, that's fair. I think the second that they targeted it for mass production, the second they started making it a car to make it is probably when when they lost it you know i think when they when you stop when something has to appeal to a lot of people they have to make it more livable for more people for me the livable aspect is more forgivable it's livable which is fine ish i mean it's it's the thing you love about the 370z i will say that right no i'm not i'm not mad about the livability of it i'm mad about the platform being such a diversion from its origin its origin being the Civic SI sedan, which is a normal-looking mid-sized sedan. And then they came up with the Type R out of what seems like left field. It's got canards everywhere, a massive wing, a completely different engine to both the Civic SI sedan and the Civic uh, Sport thing that they have, which has a different engine. Like, it's just, it's another completely different engine. It's not based on anything they're actually using in Civics. The suspension's completely different. They didn't just put uh, better springs and dampeners on it and tune it a little bit, you know, lighter wheels, this and that, lower it, make it just perform better. They completely re-engineered it. That's a great point. It is. It shares nothing of the original. It's like back in the day, NASCAR was stock car racing. They would take a stock car and modify it to race it. And nowadays, they take a body that honestly doesn't even resemble the stock car anymore, call it a stock car, and put a race chassis underneath. You got to be careful. You're getting into crotchety old man territory. I know. Back in my day. I, I realized that I'm getting into crotchety old man <laughs> territory. Very squarely. But this is, the, and, and the, that's my problem with this. If you're going to just call it a type R, then it should be what a type R represents. If you were to call it a civic something else, and like, you know, make a new fit for the civic and just have it as its own thing, then sure, that's, that's this new type of civic you've developed and you're calling it this, and it sells as its own separate thing, they've almost wrecked the validity of the past Type R's with this new one. Wow. So not only is it bad for the current one, but it's bad for the old one. I feel like future generations, if this is the path that they continue on, and this is how they make Type R's, if, you know, 30 years from now, on you know auctions like Mecham auctions uh you know whatever auction car auctions coming up and somebody has like uh like an ek hatch or an eg hatch civic type r perfectly preserved and it sells for like five grand because nobody realizes that that's what type r's used to be that's what i fear for that's fair because type r's are like this thing from outer space that like 
just, you know, just wild, wild when type R's used to just look like a civic with white paint and a red R badge that blew the pants off everything else. Yeah. Well, and it, it definitely, it certainly takes away from the spirit of the car. If I had a follow up and I do, it would be, are they making the civic type R in five years? I hope not. But, and, and I mean, I, I know you hope not, but my question to you is, first of all, I don't see that many of them on the road, right? It's prohibitively expensive, I feel like, for what you're getting out of it. You could, there are definitely better, there are better looking options, there are better performing options, and there are options that will elicit less eye rolls from people, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, the best option to go for in that category, in my opinion, would be the Veloster N. The Veloster N, okay. Definitely a good, if you're in that neighborhood, yeah. Definitely a good. What are they? I don't remember what the Civics go for. Yeah, they start at thirty-seven. The, why wouldn't you? Veloster N starts at thirty to thirty-two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I mean, the Veloster in and of itself is a fun little car. And I mean, if you get the turbo one, absolutely, it's a fun little car. Yeah, the Veloster N starts at two hundred and fifty horsepower, and you have a performance pack you can add on to it for like twenty-five hundred bucks get 275 horsepower out of it. The Civic Type R makes like 302 or 305. So realistically, you're almost in the bar pack in the ballpark uh, horsepower wise. And it's much more normal looking on the road. It makes way better noise out of the exhaust. Arguably drives better as a road car and admittedly drives a little worse on the track. But if you're trying to appeal to the type of person, you know, the type of young person who's going to buy these cars, how many times are they going to take it to a track day? Most of their driving is going to be spirited driving on the road, which you would want a well-performing road car and less of a track car. And the Veloster can get away with that more so than the Civic Type R because it doesn't have a history of being a track-based car. Definitely. You know, it's funny that we talked about it before and I talked about getting rid of it, but why wouldn't you get like a 370Z even? Yeah. Easily more put together. And it's not... Who the hell told me that because there's one in my complex there's a type r in my complex and i was talking about it on the phone to somebody like oh yeah that's one of my it's one of my favorite hot hatchbacks i'm like that is not a hot hatchback stop it no it's not even a hatchback it's not even well yeah exactly like no yeah speaking of so i want civic coops back but i also want a fucking civic hatchback yeah that would be pretty sweet civic hatchback a civic hatchback in a type r would be dope dream cars are a dime a dozen for us this is true however there's i will always reserve a special place in my heart for the 92 94 era honda hatchback the more bubble hatchback i think it was the eg yes and they made that in a type r but only in japan that is sad that is very sad you hate to see it you really do i I, I think you're right. I I do. If I if I had to make the prediction myself, I don't think Honda's making the Type R in five years. I don't think so either. But they've always kind of been like that. Like, they'll make it, and then it'll go away, and then they'll make it again. But they never make a big deal away. about bringing it back. That's the, that's why you, like, you almost never notice when it leaves, because they don't make a big deal about bringing it back. Suddenly, it's just there again. Yeah. So, I'd like them to... Even the Accord two-door they don't make anymore. That was a pretty cool-looking car. You got a sport trim Accord... Those things are quick. 
Yeah. And they didn't look they didn't look bad. Like you didn't you know, you looked at them a couple times before you were like, "Oh, it, it's an accord," and that's weird. They didn't look bad. Yeah. They were nice looking. No, they're not. They're not bad by any means. I don't know that there's a huge market anymore for two doors that isn't. It's the only. It's the only vehicle you can like grow out of. You know. Yeah. And that might be why they're not as viable for manufacturers to keep around. That's the only thing I could think of. I mean, because overall, generally, think of a four door car that doesn't look good as a two door. There's many that don't look good as two doors. Yes. Like what? Well, that wouldn't or that currently that came don't. that came that had two door versions that didn't look as good. Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a handful, but yeah, there's probably a couple overall I can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah. But overall, it's it it's it's a good look. It, it's sleek and sleeks the car down. It makes it look a lot more, you know, you get a lot more out of the look of the car and you can do more with it performance wise in terms of obviously it's going to be lighter, but also it takes more to, you know, it looks more aggressive. It looks more, you know, purpose built. So I think it's just because people can, you can grow out of them over the course of your life in terms of what you need a vehicle for. Might right. be the reason we don't see as many coupes on the road. I, I agreed. I, I believe, I believe you're right. Um, still, I hate to see them gone. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, People always say that your your taste in vehicles is always going to be influenced by what you saw in your high school parking lot. I saw a lot of Honda Civic Coupes in my high school parking lot. Well, there you go. A lot of bad ones. <laughs> but then, you know, I could go, oh, but the shape of that appeals to me. And then I could go online and find ones that looked good and go, oh, there's potential. So the same thing you were doing with women in high school. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> the shape of that appeals to me, and then I went online and found, <laughs> found ones that were acceptable. Oh my god! <laughs> Our offerings for this week: the Ford Thunderbird for three seventy Z parentheses. Actually, the Sentra. What? Wow, you know, you're not copping out like that. You said get rid of the 370Z. Well, they're doing it anyway. For the Thunderbird. Fine. And the two-door Civic for the Type R. Solid, solid stuff. Car gods, do your thing. Gracious, once more. That being that, I'd say that about does it for us on episode three of Blinker Fluid. As always, tell us we're wrong. I don't think we said it once this entire show so i'm gonna say it now oh no T- tell us we're wrong tell us we're wrong tell us we're wrong there it is tell us we're wrong mod your cars don't let anybody tell you that uh what you're doing to your car is wrong because if you love it then it's the right thing to do overall i don't support certain things make sure it's still legal <laughs> don't get pulled over <laughs> don't be one of those people ripping the tint off your windshield as you get pulled over oh, man yeah don't do that please but anyway, thank you guys up until this point for listening. We're going to keep going. We'd keep going if nobody was listening, to be honest. But the support we've gotten so far has been great. Yes, thank you very much. We're having Absolutely. a ton of fun. So We'll be back with a new episode next week with a whole host of new topics and new vehicles from GM we can probably make fun of because that's all we've done so far in the last year. <laughs> It's just go after GM's new cars. So, <laughs> but anyway, until then, drive safely, check your blanket fluid, and buy four cylinder Mustangs. <laughs> oh my god. Goodbye. <laughs>